0: thank you worship team and uh this morning you know it's just so wonderful that we can uh, praise and worship god uh, in a manner as as, as what we did just now and you know i believe that whenever we honor god whenever we choose to give him all the glory that is due him you know we know we that god wants to do something amazing in our midst because that's, that's just who god is you know, that's that he is so good he is so wonderful that whenever we choose to put Him first and give Him all the praise, uh, wow, He wants to uh, do something even greater in our lives. And so that's what I believe that uh, He wants to do this morning. And uh, that is in line with our topic, our uh, theme for this entire month of uh, February. For the month of February, we've been focusing on faith, or rather we've been focusing on uh, heroes of faith. And uh, so we have heard about the great Apostle Peter, and how, you know, his faith grew through him being vulnerable, through him being obedient to God. And of course, last week, we heard about Noah, you know, how Noah found favor with God. How Noah, uh, as he stood to be countercultural in his day, uh, how he stood walk with obedience as well. With God, that's how he found favor. And you know, for those of you uh, who are attending cell groups, live cell, uh, you have also uh, learned about a couple of contemporary heroes of faith. Yeah? You have you have heard about uh, and discussed about Cory Ten Boom. And of course, last Friday, you have discussed about Billy Graham uh, uh, too. And so this morning, we are going to uh, close and land this series. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, would you go with me to the book of John chapter 6, John chapter 6. And today we're going to look at a very seemingly insignificant young person. But even as young as he is, I would consider him a hero of faith because of what he did. Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please go with me to John chapter 6 And uh, verse 1 all the way to 14, okay? And I'm going to read to you from the NIV. And so, it says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed Him because they saw the signs He had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with His disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, "Have the people sit down." And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About five thousand men were there. Okay, just so you know, just a little bit background. Uh, even though they just noted here, five thousand men. Uh, there are also women and children present that were not recorded for us. And uh, some New Testament scholars estimated that the total number of people who were present actually on that day was about 25,000 people. Okay? And this is because uh, they say that whenever there's a crowd, the ratio between men and women, or rather women to men, would always be two to one. You know, two women to one man. And likewise for children, two children to one woman. so you do the do the math okay so this is the rough estimate so anyway uh verse 11 where we yeah verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish when they had all had enough to eat he said to his disciples gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the last verse, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into this world. Surely this is the prophet that is to come into this world. And so this morning, I would just like to entitle this morning's message as Everyday Faith. Everyday Faith. And uh, if I were to put a subtitle, I would put that as Running The race, okay? Running the race. Would you pray with me once again, even as we uh, look to the Word of God this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that your Word brings life. We thank you that your Word brings about change in each and every one of us. And so, Father, today, through the the preaching and through the listening and hearing of your Word, God, do something in our hearts. Holy Spirit, which you begins to stretch our faith to believe you more. Holy Spirit begins to open our eyes to see the goodness of who you are. And so, Father, we commit this time to you. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen and amen. Now, Chinese New Year has just passed by, and uh, I'm not sure about you, but uh, my family and I, uh, we were constantly surrounded by people. And we were constantly surrounded by food, okay? You know, and particularly uh, for this year, uh, we had so many reunion lunches and uh, dinner with family and friends. And you know, I, I really flat, felt like I ate, over overate a, li- a little bit this year. You know, we had reunions for both, uh, both sides of the family. And uh, of course, then we had second reunions and then third reunions and uh, fourth reunions. And it's the same bunch of people uh, gathering over multiple meals at different locations And uh, because it's the same bunch of people gathering We were all actually quite stuffed, you know We were all quite filled with food And uh, a couple of times we had to tap out the leftover food And to carry on to the next reunion And uh, so it has uh, really been a season of uh, a little bit of overeating for me And I'm just wondering you no, know, perhaps for all of us here today, uh, in your family gatherings, uh, do you have a traditional dish that is a must-have each Chinese New Year? Come on, how many of you have a traditional dish in your family that you must have? I know some of you have, you know, that traditional fish, you know, that steam fish, you know, or that steam duck, you know, whatever it is. Okay, and uh, and and for my side of family, we definitely do have. Uh, a traditional dish you know my my background is Hokkien and uh, usually almost every Chinese New Year uh, we have a couple of a uh, must-have Hokkien dishes and uh, these are the things that we can look forward to you know, During the festive season and, and the first one that I can think of is the bangkwan cha Or rather is the stir-fried Okay, Stir-fried mengguang uh, with some sliced carrots Some mushrooms And of course, if probably sometimes You have some dried cuttlefish thrown in it together And, uh, and, it's, and it's usually, this dish It is usually eaten uh, Wrapped in lettuce And with some sambal you No know, homemade sambal and uh, the second dish that I can think of that would appear on our Hokkien uh, reunion dinner uh, is the braised chicken that is cooked with some special dark soy sauce. And of course, we have a, a, other few uh, dishes, but you know, these two are the must have almost every Chinese New Year. And I uh, you know growing, uh, growing up in the yo side of the family, you know, my ama, my, my grandmother, would be the one cooking these dishes together uh, with my eldest auntie. Uh, my eldest auntie is kind of like her apprentice you know learning the family dish that is passed down from one generation uh, to another generation and uh, my mom she has also joined them in the kitchen too and uh, and so since i have a a little bit of interest in cooking and a little bit of interest in food i remember some years back i actually asked my grandma you know on how to make these two dishes you know and uh, Just so you know, these ingredients are pretty straightforward. You know, there's no rocket science to it. There's no secret ingredient. It's plain, simple ingredients which you can get uh, from the grocery. Okay, it's just chicken, some vegetables, uh, some normal condiments. You know, you have garlic, you have ginger, you have onion. And it's quite easy to follow. But when it comes to the sauces and the seasoning, uh, then that's where it gets a little bit tricky, you know. Uh, Because you would have no clue how much you need to put into the dish. Uh, for instance, you know, I would ask my grandma, you know, uh, h- how much soy sauce do I need to put in that chicken? And uh, my grandma would look at me and then she would, hmm, agak aga, aga lah. Wow. And uh, aga, agak basically means, you know, a rough estimate. And so for a person like me, Huh? What, what in the world is aga aga you know? Does it mean, you know, five tablespoons of soy sauce or, or, or one tablespoon or one teaspoon of soy sauce? And it's the same for any other sauce, for, for sugar, you know, for salt. And uh, she will reply the same thing to me. she say, you know, boy, aga aga agak-agak lah. mang Okay, not too much, not too little. Wow, you No know, headache, you know. If I think about it, wow, it, it doesn't make sense. How would I know how much if it's too much or, or too little, you know? And, uh, and, not, and thinking about it, it probably makes sense now as to why in the later years of my grandma's life, uh, the taste of the dishes has changed a little, okay? Uh, in fact, it changes every year. Uh, uh, her taste buds are not as sensitive as it, what it used to be. And one year, it can be a little bit s- sweet. And uh, the following year, it can be a little bit salty, okay? And uh, you know, I thank God that she has stopped cooking now uh, for the past five to six years. I know it sounds a little bit mean, but you know, I'm just being honest here, okay? And and he has passed down to uh, the next generation. And uh, anyway, I'm just thinking, just as how a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar or a little bit of pepper can change uh, a dish or influence a dish, likewise, if we have faith as small as a mustard seed. If we have faith that is small, that in itself can change our lives. Now, after all, Jesus said it himself in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And, and I find in church that is good news for us because a mustard seed, as you can see in the picture, is it, really tiny it's even smaller than peppercorns okay and if we can have faith even as small as that wow church that is awesome because it will change our lives tremendously but just as how uh, the lack of salt or sugar or the lack of pepper can affect a dish the lack of faith can also do the same for our lives and a couple of verses in the same passage tells us this in Matthew 17 verse 18 Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at the moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Because you have so little faith. And then of course, Jesus went on to say, truly I tell you, you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain. Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So perhaps... You no, know, the question that we ask ourselves today: How much faith do we have today? How much faith do we have today? Or rather, is faith existent in our lives? Is faith evident? Is it seen in us? Is it seen in our choices? Is it seen in our the decisions that we make and take in our lives? Is faith seen in our relationships? Where is it with our spouses? Whether it is with our children, our parents, our siblings, our colleagues, our friends Is faith seen in our studies for young people? Is faith seen in the choices uh, that we take in university? Is faith seen in our schools, in the classroom that we are in? For those of us who are working, is faith seen in our workplace? Is it seen in our businesses? Is it seen in our meetings? And is it seen, is it evident in our homes? And of course, is faith seen in our finances? Uh, This is where it gets a little bit tricky. Is faith seen in our finances? Is faith seen in our conversations? And I believe that most of us here today in this room have some measure of faith. Because if you are a believer of Christ, it already means you have faith. Because that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through, for it is by grace that you have been saved through, faith. So if we already have some measure of faith, then maybe the question we ought to ask ourselves today is, how can we continuously grow our faith throughout this race of life? How can we continuously grow our faith through this journey that you and I are in and the passage that we read earlier on today helps us with this question particularly as we look at the life of a young boy who brought a couple of dishes to Jesus you Now, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is a famous one in fact I would say even unchurched people uh, would have heard you know some sort of it and this is one of the few stories that is found in all four Gospels if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke you'll find them there as well but only in the Gospel of John do we find the author making mention of this young boy and you won't find him in Matthew, Mark and Luke so any one of us will probably not consider the uh, the young boy very much no we will not even think twice about him and in fact in this passage that we have just read the young boy is only mentioned once No, there's no background given about him There's nothing mentioned about what happened to him after this entire event. But this young boy played a significant role in this story. Without him, this story would not have turned out the way it did. And his actions, even though as simple as they were, were actions of faith. And so to me, to my books, this young boy is definitely a hero of faith. You know, at the time, Jesus had just finished doing some ministry. And he went away to his disciples, you know, to be by themselves. But the crowd followed him. You know, Jesus, you know, he wants to rest for ministry, also cannot rest. And as he looked at the crowd, he saw that the people were hungry. And he had in mind to do something about it. And so he asked his disciples, what can be done to feed these large crowds? And one of his disciples, Philip, you know, being a very practical man, He replied, Jesus, you know, Jesus, no, there's no way it can be done. The crowd is just too large. And then Andrew, another disciple of Jesus, he brought a young boy with his lunch to Jesus. And we all know what happened next. And this seemingly insignificant young boy has something to teach all of us here today about faith. So what can we learn from this young boy to help us to continuously grow our faith in this race that we are in? How can we continuously grow our faith in this race of life that we are in? And so, number one, if you're writing notes, number one, if we desire our faith to grow, we continuously avail ourselves to God. We continuously avail ourselves to God. We make ourselves available to God. Everybody say you mean availability. If we desire our faith to grow, we got to avail ourselves to God. And what do I mean by availing ourselves to God? It simply means that saying yes to God. I know it sounds simple, but if we were to put it in practice, it can be a little bit of a challenge for all of us here today. Because church, if we truly say yes to God, if we truly say, you know what God, here I am, it means availing ourselves to God for Him to use us. It means saying yes to God for Him to work through us however He desires. It means saying yes to God for God to mold us, to shape us according to His will and His plans for us. And at times, we may not understand God's ways. At times, we may not see the full picture. At times, there will be uncertainties, At times, there will be doubts. At times, there will be questions. And perhaps at times, there may be fear as well. But it's also at those times when we learn to say yes to God. Our faith is stretched. Our faith grows. And Andrew, one of the 12 disciples, he brought this young boy to Jesus. And all that this young boy had was just five, five barley loaves and two fishes. And you know, that was supposed to be for him to eat. And I don't know about you, but if that was me, if I were to put myself in the young boy's shoes, I would be thinking, huh, this is my lunch. If I have to give it away, uh, what am I supposed to eat? You know, out. got nothing in it, nothing to eat. I, I don't know if the young boy, he, if he was hesitant to give his food or whether he was, you know, he was strong-armed and he was forced to give his food but the Bible tells us that he gave it to Jesus anyway. And that's what it means to avail ourselves, to say yes to God, even though we may be uncertain about things. And saying yes to God means saying yes to Him in times of plenty and in times of lack. The boy only had five small barley loaves and two small fishes. And the Bible was quite clear on the size. They were small. But the boy gave it anyway. He gave it anyway. And perhaps for some of us here today, perhaps, you know, when we are doing good, when we are doing all right, when we have sufficient, when things are going great for us, maybe it is easier for us to avail ourselves to God. It may be more challenging for some of us here when we are not doing so good to say yes to God. Or it could be the other way around for some. You know, perhaps when we are doing good, perhaps when we are experiencing successes, you know, we find it hard to say yes to God. We find it hard to avail ourselves to God. You know, we may even say, you know, God, God, you know, you no, know, I'm busy with the successes that you have blessed me with. You know, you know, perhaps, you know, some other time. And maybe perhaps for some of us here, we find it a challenge to avail ourselves to God because when we look at what we have. When we look at who we are, we think to ourselves that we have nothing much to offer. Perhaps all that we have is just five small barley loaves and two small fishes. Perhaps we think to ourselves, the person sitting beside us has much more to offer. The person is younger. The person has more energy to give. The person is retired, got more time. The person is older. The person has more experience. But I believe this morning God is knocking on the door of each and every one of our hearts are we willing are we available to God because I believe God doesn't want any of us to stay at our present faith level you know if there's such a term for it I believe that God desires for us to grow even more in our walk with him for faith to increase in each and every one of our lives i have a friend who uh, did engineering in university and after graduation uh, she went to pursue her career in engineering for uh, some years and uh, she even has a certification in engineering if i'm not mistaken you can only have that certification if you are practicing in that field and uh, i know after uh, being in that field for some years uh, my friend she felt god uh, stirring in her and leading her to do something very different you know, in fact, she felt God uh, leading her to teach, to become a teacher. And uh, it was a bit strange for my friend because she has no experience in teaching at all. And But that urge, that stirring inside of her, you know, that burden became stronger to the point she couldn't ignore it any longer. Yes, she had a lot of questions and she definitely had doubts, but she felt strongly that this was what God is leading her to, to uncharted waters of being a teacher she had questions about her finances because she knows that being a teacher in Malaysia definitely the pay is much more lower compared to an engineer and and to add on to the list of her questions to God she didn't have any background in teaching at all but she had peace in her heart knowing that this is what God is leading her to and so she left her job and she joined uh, this NGO called Teach for Malaysia. And uh, Teach for Malaysia is an NGO which places teachers all across uh, the country uh, to rebuild the schools, to, to rebuild the students, and particularly they are placed in rural areas. Okay? And usually uh, those who join TFM uh, join for a period of two years and then they move on. And so my friend, she came on board with uh, Teach for Malaysia and uh, she was placed in a rural area in Johor. And it's a very, very small town. And today, she's still there. And this year would probably be her third term. Okay, This will be probably be her third term uh, with TFM. And so it would sum up to be about total of six years now Okay, uh, as a teacher. And so whenever we meet up, I know whenever we had a chance to catch up, uh, she would tell me, you know what, that it was the right decision that it was the right decision to say yes to God and to follow Him and to trust Him. And maybe for some of us here today, maybe God is leading you and directing you to do something to a career which you have never considered before. Are you willing to say yes to God? And perhaps for some of us here, God is challenging us to be a part of His great plans, to be a part of His church, to get involved, to be a part of a community, to grow in and to serve in. If that's you, don't wait any longer to join a lifestyle. cell. Feel free to speak to any of the pastors and we would love to point you uh, to a cell group or to a ministry that will suit your personality and your giftings. And perhaps for all of us here today, Are we willing to grow as individuals? Are we available to God to grow our character? You know, there's a saying that goes like this. Old dogs cannot learn new tricks, alright? Old dogs cannot learn new tricks. And I totally disagree with that statement. Because if we think about it in a literal sense, even old dogs can learn new tricks. It just takes some time or even longer time to train the dog and are we willing to grow in our attitudes to be more like jesus are we available to god to mold us and to shape us and i believe all of us here in this room today all of us have room to grow and i'm not talking about our weight come on we only stop growing as individuals we only stop growing as a person when we see jesus face to face as long as we are still breathing we have room to grow as and we must church come on we must grow we cannot stay at where we are today i know that i can't stay at where i am today i know that i must grow i know that i must be kinder I know I must be more gracious to people I must be more loving I know that I must grow to be a better communicator orator and so all of us here today we must grow we must grow and I believe that we can be better we can be more like Christ we can be more gracious we can be more loving we can be more patient we can be a faithful generation that lives behind a godly legacy for others. So, are we willing? Are we available to God? Come on, turn to the person beside you and tell them, you must grow. Okay? You must grow. So number one, if we desire to grow our faith, we must be available to God. Number two, if we desire to grow our faith, we must continuously commit to it. We must continuously commit to it If we grow our faith As we continuously commit To what we are saying yes to God And everyone's saying to me Commitment Now here is a boy With five small barley loaves And with two small fishes The boy said yes He made his lunch available to Jesus And he gave it away And this young boy If you think about it He could have very well Changed his mind halfway you know after giving further thought to it again it, it's not recorded for us but because of the outcome you know we can make some conjecture about it and a young boy he could have said you know what Ayah, I I'm not gonna have a, my lunch la if I if I give my lunch away you know silly me you know I, I, I'm gonna take it back from Jesus you know, Jesus give me back my lunch but because of the outcome we know that this was not was not the case the young boy he was committed to the end and friends commitment is the choice that we make commitment is not based on our feelings it's not based if one day you know we feel like doing it and another day we don't commitment is based on our convictions it is based on what we believe and commitment it is a conscious choice that we make daily. You know, say for example, for those of us who are married, you know, for those who are of us uh, or of you who are getting married, marriage is a commitment. It is a conscious choice that we make to be committed to our spouses, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, come on. In sickness and in and in health. Friends, that is commitment. Marriage is not a walk in the park. It is hard work. Come on. At least one person is honest here this morning. And we got to choose to be committed to one another. We got to choose to be committed to our spouse so that when we experience days when we feel like killing one another. Come on. Those of you who know what I'm talking about. When we experience those days, we will still choose to honour and fight for each other over our selfish desires and over our comfort. No, we fight for each other. Come on. We don't fight each other. We fight for the marriage. We fight for the team. And friends, it is worth it. It is worth fighting for our marriages. Just as how it is worth it to be committed to saying yes to God. Commitment is choosing to stand by the principles and values by what we said we will do day in and day out. You know, just as some of you here have, are committed to making 2019 a healthier year, so you sign up for a gym membership, you, know, you are committed to make the most out of it, and know you will head to the gym regardless whether is it is raining or it is shining, you know, because you don't want to give the gym free money, you know, the membership fees. And so commitment, commitment is a choice. And I will also say that our commitment in saying yes to God it is established in the habits that we set in our lives. You know, last week Pastor Donnie talked about setting good habits and I I will not touch on this uh, area too much. If you want to know about setting good habits you know, have a listen to uh, the podcast through our website. But I would say this the habits that we have in our lives will either set us up to achieve those commitments or it will derail us from doing so and the question is how does being committed to saying yes to God increases our faith how does it help us to increase our faith and if I can be honest with all of us here today the reality is that not every day we will wake up with the mindset we will wake up with the frame of mind and say you know what God yeah let's do it let's take down this mountain yes Lord because The reality is that there will be days where we will feel like, you know what, God, just take me home now. This is too much. Come on, that's the reality of life. But if we set good habits to help us along the way, then it can be easier for us to say to God, you know what, Lord, I may not feel like it, I may not want to do it, but by your grace and by your strength, I will do what you have called me to do. I will be who you have called me to be. And friends, that is faith. Having good habits will help us keep our commitments to God. And accountability is also necessary in helping us keep our commitments to God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person Sharpens another. Accountability it is necessary in helping us keep our commitments to God. In church, accountability doesn't mean you know we air our dirty laundry for everybody to see. You no, know? it doesn't mean that. Accountability means there is someone who can check on us. You no, know, or rather, we have given permission to someone to speak into our lives to help us to be better, to caution us when we have neglected our commitments to God. And we can trust that individual to always have our best interests at his or her heart. And of course, ultimately, we are all accountable to God. But God has also placed individuals in each and every one of our lives to walk with us in our race of faith. So another question I just want to throw to all of us. Who are we accountable to today? Who are we accountable to? today are we accountable to our spouses are we accountable to our family members to our parents are we accountable to our children are we accountable to our leaders are we accountable to our peers our friends are we accountable to uh, the colleagues to our employers at our workplace and I believe all of us ought to be accountable to the people around us You know, there's a saying that goes like this, no man is an island. No man is an island. And that means something coming from a person like me who grew up as an only child. No man is an island, especially in our journey, especially in our race of faith. Because now I'm accountable to my wife. I'm accountable to my son. I'm accountable to my peers, to my co-workers in the ministry. I'm accountable to our senior leadership in church. I'm also accountable to the people I lead as well. And, church, if you and I, if we desire to grow our faith, if we desire to leave a legacy of faith behind, accountability is a must. So, number two, if we desire to grow our faith, we must commit to it. We must commit to saying yes to God. Number two. Number three, we grow our faith as we continuously have a holy expectation. We continuously grow our faith as we have a holy expectation. Everybody say to me, expectation. And I say a holy expectation because a lot of our expectations of God and from God in life can really be ridiculous. You know, say for instance, you know, I have the faith to be a billionaire tomorrow as I go and buy 4D, okay? Uh, In Jesus' name. And So I go and buy 4D and then I say, you know, Jesus, give me my 1 billion through this four-digit number, okay? Friends, come on. It is not going to work, okay? That is not going to work. A holy expectation is based on the Word of God. A holy expectation, it is grounded in the Word of God. Yes, it is faith-filled, but it is also Holy Spirit purpose. Yes, It faithful, but it is also Holy Spirit-directed, and it is Holy Spirit-empowered. And you know, perhaps for, maybe for some of us here today, maybe we have lost what it means to have a holy expectation in our walk with God. You know, in this day and age that we are in, we sometimes forget that we have a wonder-working, miracle-working God with us. You know, we we, we tend to rationalise things with science and logic, and in itself, there's nothing wrong in it. Because after all, God has given us wisdom and a mind to think. And in fact, I would say science and God goes hand in hand. It's not one against the other. Because after all, God created the world. So I would say God is the most scientific person if, we, if you think about it, you know. And so natu- but naturally, when we think of miracles, When we think of supernatural things and and God doing wonders and miracles in our lives, we usually think that it must be big. We usually think that it must be huge, you know, with thunder and lightning flashing here and there. But do you know, in our everyday lives, miracles are already taking place. God is already doing wondrous things in our everyday lives. Come on, church. If we have a roof over our head, if we have clothes to wear, if we have food on the table, friends, come on, that is a miracle in itself. Breathing air in itself is a wondrous thing. It's a wondrous thing. It happens so naturally all the time that we don't even think about it. Ask a person who needs a nebulizer to breathe and they will tell you that breathing is a miracle. And so if we want to grow our faith, if we want our faith to grow, we need to begin to have a holy expectation of who God is, a holy expectation that God is going to do wonders in our lives every day. Or, Or rather, we need to begin to see the wonders that God is already doing in our lives. And as we begin to do that, come on, we will realize that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And generally, church, you know, as we grow older, you know, maybe we we are starting to lose that childlike faith, that childlike wonder, that childlike expectation of who God is and what he does in our lives. And you no know, children, children have that simple faith about them. You know, they don't don't think too much about things, you know, they take it as face value, you know, quite often. Uh, they're not and and they believe you know if God says that He's going to do it you know they expect it to be so and that's what the young boy who brought his lunch to Jesus has to teach us he didn't know what was going on all he knew his lunch five loaves and two fishes were needed by Jesus but he knew that he was not going to be shortchanged by Jesus and that's why he could commit to his lunch being available to God no, he had that holy expectation that Jesus was going to do something with it. No, after hearing and after seeing the wondrous things, the miracles that Jesus has done, the young boy expected something magnificent to occur with his lunch. And he has such a childlike faith, a childlike expectation, a holy expectation of Jesus. And we know what happened next. Jesus fed the people and they were leftovers. Twelve baskets full, in fact. And, and that's what the Bible tells us in verse 13. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Having that childlike faith. And you know, uh, my son taught me this important lesson you know, many times over. And uh, my son, he's at, a, at an age where he's uh, pretty chatty and uh, he has a, you know, a rough understanding of who God is. He knows that God is our creator. He knows that God is our uh, healer. He's the God who created the whole universe. And uh, he has such a simple faith in God that it truly uh, amazes me, you know. And whenever my wife and I uh, are unwell, he will be quick to come and pray for us, you know. But more than just praying for us, uh, my son has the expectation and he believes that you will be healed and get healed Immediately. Uh, you know, and for instance, you know, uh, if I'm not well, he will come and pray for me, and he and he will lay his hands on me sometimes and he'll say, you No, know, dear Lord, please heal Papa. In Jesus' name, Amen. And then after that, he will say, Papa, feel better already. Wow. He expects and believes for the instantaneous healing. And you know, the first time when he did that, I, I told my wife, Wow, his faith level is bigger than mine. And he still does it today in fact last week i think he did it for brother eddie uh, after service and you know and i pray that all of us that we would never lose that childlike awe and wonder of who god is to expect and believe and see the wonder working god in our lives and as we grow older as we gain more experience you know, we mature in our walk with god and that is good And and we should do so as well. We should mature in our walk with God. But we should not lose our wonder and holy expectation of who God is and what He can do for us as we grow in our faith. In fact, I would say our holy expectation of who God is should mature and it should grow as well as our faith grows too. But you know, perhaps this morning, Perhaps if any one of us here, if we have been jaded by our life's experiences of who God is, then perhaps this morning, we need to once again ask God to open our eyes, to open our spiritual eyes to see the goodness of who God is. To see God in our lives each and every single day. Know that when we start the day, we ask God, to to open our eyes to see the wonders of who God is. And then we believe and we have the faith to have that expectation, that holy expectation that God is indeed at work in our lives. We have that holy expectation in our hearts that, that we can have peace in our hearts as we go through the day. We can have that expectation that we can have the joy of the Lord in our, in, in our lives That it will be our strength As we go through various life circumstances And challenges We can have the expectation That our lives will overflow With love to other people As we remain in Him We can have the expectation That we can overcome temptation That we can overcome our se- old self Because through Jesus We are more than conquerors We can have the expectation that healings will take place in our lives because by His stripes, we are healed. We can have the expectation that we can see breakthroughs taking place, whether it is in our family, whether it is through our studies, whether it is through our workplace, whether it is through our relationships because with God, nothing is impossible. If we have a God who can create the whole world, with just His voice, just speaking, come on, what more God can do in our lives each and every single day? And more importantly, we can expect God to give us a purpose and direction for living. And so church, have a holy expectation of who God is. Have a holy expectation of what God can do in each and every one of our lives. And this leads me to My final point, even as I invite the worship team to come, we can be available, we can be committed, we can have a holy expectation if and only if we have a relationship with God. The young boy, he could do what he did. He could make his lunch available. He could be committed to it and he could have the expectation of Jesus because of this one thing. He had a relationship with Jesus. He had a relationship with Jesus. Again, how do I know that he had a relationship with Jesus? Uh, New Testament scholars, okay, they did their historical due diligence and they found out that most likely this young boy would have been part of the crowd that followed Jesus for some time. And this young boy would have seen Jesus doing miracles after miracles they would see the signs and wonders that come along with Jesus and this young boy probably sat in Jesus's teaching and he probably knew the disciples personally as well and if I think about it it makes some sense because why would Andrew one of the 12 disciples bring a random boy to Jesus if Andrew doesn't know the boy himself Right, so probably they had some relationship and some connection. And so the boy had a relationship with Jesus. And friends, I believe that all of us here desire to, to avail ourselves to Jesus. I believe that all of us desire to, to live a life that is committed to Him, to have that holy expectation of who God is. But it begins with our relationship with Him. And I just wonder this morning, how is your relationship with God today? How is your relationship with God today? You know, maybe you have been coming to church for some time. Maybe you have, you know, been around church and you have heard messages after messages. You even have seen the songs that we sing but you have, not, you have not made a conscious decision of putting your trust in Jesus. But this morning, would you be willing to do that? Even as I ask each and every one of us to close our eyes and bow our heads, no one looking around. If that's you today, and if you're saying, "You know what, Pastor, I want to make to have that relationship with Jesus. I don't want to just come on Sundays to warm the pews and then go about doing nothing about it. I want to have that close connection with God. I want to have that relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand i'm not going to take some time but if that's you and if this is your first time doing it if this is your first time doing it and you're saying yes yes lord i want to make that relationship with you i want to have it if that's you no one looking around if that's you would you just quickly raise your hands to god perhaps for all of us here today. Maybe we have a relationship with God. Maybe we, you know, we, 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 we have said it before that we believe in Jesus. We have said it before that, you know, we put our trust in Jesus. But how is your faith level today? If God were to ask you Today, would you be available to me? Would you increase your commitment to me? Would you begin to have a holy expectation of me in your life today? Would you be able to say yes? Would you be able to say yes? And maybe perhaps for us today, maybe you feel like your faith is very small, you feel like your faith is availing to nothing, to nothing. Maybe can I encourage you that you would say this, that even though I only have this much of faith, I'm going to avail myself to you, Lord, and I would say yes to you. I only have this much of faith, but I'm going to commit to be all that God has called me to be I only have this much faith but I'm going to expect God for you to move in my life once again for you to do miracles for you to do supernatural things every single day and if that's you and you're saying yes Lord this is me this is me help me to believe you more help me to trust you more help me to walk closer with you more if that's you wherever you are would you just stand before God and make it as a commitment to Lord wherever you are all across this room if that's you if you're saying yes to Lord Lord here I am this morning here I am this morning I want to put my faith in you once again. I want to get right with you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.